Man trainer. Hey, real, real rare like Super Saiyan Mega. I jump, stomp, stomp on Lucifer's sage. Now I got a few rings on Jupiter's skin. I meant to say Saturn, switched up the pattern. Smoking on some shatter got me higher than the ladder. It's that time once again. Center of Attention Sports. It's Monday. That's what that means. Um, and when you guys are listening to this, I will not be unemployed college graduate anymore. I will be uh, stocking produce at King Supers, hopefully trying to move up towards an assistant manager position for the time that I'm still going to be at the house. Um, I got that got hired. I told you guys about the interview a couple weeks ago. got hired uh, basically last Wednesday, last Monday is actually when I did my first HR paperwork and then I did my training on Wednesday and had my first on-floor day uh, on Friday. So I've been going non-stop pretty much, um, 6 to 2.30. So that's it's a nice schedule because I don't have to worry about um, where whether or not I'm going to have time to do stuff. I, I basically go in super early, get off in the middle of the afternoon and still have the rest of the day to... Uh, to get stuff done, like this podcast. Um, we're recording this on the day of my one-year anniversary with Lauren. Um, if you listen to the podcast for the entire time that we've been doing it, you guys know about Lauren. She was, uh, she is my girlfriend, and she was a guest on, I think, three or four, episode three or four. Uh, it's called Animal Sciences, and you can go back and listen to that. Um, she, she wants to be the most played episode so far, she's kind of competitive that way. I think that's probably what I like the most about her. But uh, we're going to go have a little bit of a date tonight. Uh, so this might be a little bit shorter of a podcast, just so I can make sure that I'm getting ready for everything that I need to get done. We're uh, ordering food, and now we were going to go eat it in like her parents' patio, because they have a nice patio and a built-in fire pit. and um, It would have been the, pretty much the most romantic and most uh, kind of like most fancy like a re- fancy restaurant setup um, but since it's raining now and um, probably going to stay rainy and be a little bit cold uh, calling an audible and we're going to go eat we're ordering a restaurant called Piccolo's it's a Mexican and Italian restaurant and then we're going to eat in the back of my car I'm going to put down some blankets we'll have a little bit of a car picnic finally get to show her um, the present that I've been working on and I I think I'm actually going to play that for you guys now just because I know that she won't be able to see um, she won't be able to hear this before I'm going to show her later tonight but uh, I've been working on this for a while I'm super excited to see her reaction I'm going to film her reaction and put it out on social media but uh, we have her and I have our song and it's uh, done by Chris Jansen. And since I am not rolling in money as of late, and I kind of I, I have this skill where I can take audio and I can put it together, and uh, Dom and I sing fairly well. We harmonize fairly well. So I'm going to give you guys a little sneak preview. Um, by the time you guys you guys are hearing this, Lauren will have already heard this. You'll probably see the video of her crying. But um, this is Dom and I. And we are singing Done by Chris Jansen um, for Lauren and I's one-year anniversary. Love you, Lauren.
sun The first time I saw you done All the first dance was through I was done That one kiss I knew There was nothing I wouldn't do Just to give you that house on a hill With the four plank around it Every last breath till the last star is counted Just say the word, girl, paint me your perfect I won't quit till the good Lord says my work is done Like a faded out song on the radio Hell I was raising done All the careless heartbreak and done For that chance that you're taking I'd spend my nights praying And all my days chasing That house on the hill With the four plank around it Every last breath Till the last star is counted Just say the word girl Paint me your perfect Says my work is done Like a faded out song The radio done Like the cowboy gets a girl When the credits roll I give you a lifetime Of days in the sun Whatever you need And you want I won't stop till it's done You know I won't stop till it's done you need a man you can lean on, done. You need some things you can hang your dreams on. Check them off one by one. In that house on the hill with the four plank around it. Every last breath till the last star is counted. Just say the word, girl, paint me your perfect. So that was Dom and I, um, and we were singing Done by Chris Jansen uh, for Lauren and I's one-year anniversary. Thanks to Dom, and uh, thank you guys for listening to last week's sports episode and the episode on Thursday with my grandma. Uh, she was kind of wasn't sure whether or not people would want to hear her, and I think that her episode did great, and you guys enjoyed listening to Dom and I bicker and, and talk about uh, where we see the Jets going and the Bengals and Jets draft picks um, ended up being a super fun episode to record and uh, I just 
it's this episode today is going to be a little bit of a mixed bag. I mean, it wouldn't be center of attention if it wasn't up and down. But uh, I want to start off with that because that is a good tone setter, like a good mood setter that um, that will take away some of the thing of other, some of the other things we're going to talk about. Um, a lot of tragedies happened in the last week of sports. Uh, a lot of people who died before their their time, and uh, a lot of people are mourning a lot. And I think that it's it's good thing to acknowledge that because, like I've been talking about with this entire situation going on in the country right now, uh, resiliency is going to be the key to making sure that we are going to be able to come out with come out of this. Wow. Um, there's not going to be a quick fix. There's not going to be an easy solution. We're just going to have to keep putting our heads down, keep going back to start and keep pushing through. Um, that being said, we'll start off with, I think one of the more tragic events that I've seen in a long time. Um, if you were a fan of the WWE back in the early two thousands and you, uh, you remember watching Monday Night Raw, you probably remember Crime Time and uh, him and his partner JTG, his tag team partner, and Shad Gaspard. Uh, they were a tag team called Crime Time, won a couple championships, were kind of a staple of those early aughts. And this, uh, everybody, you know, he was fun to watch on screen because his character, he was able to kind of be a little bit different and him and JTG were playing on the stereotype of African Americans being in gangs but they did it in a way that I think uh, it wasn't like a tongue in cheek because there, there's a lot of things that the WWE does where they play on stereotypes and it just ends up being a little bit too much, a little bit over the top but Shad and JTG made it fun it was never taken too seriously um, unfortunately he and his son were swimming in Venice Beach uh, over, I believe, two weekends ago now, and they were both pulled out by the riptide. It's a common thing that happens out there. It's a tough. If you're gonna swim in the ocean, you definitely have to know what you're gonna what you're doing, and the tides shift and you don't see it coming, and all of a sudden you get pulled underneath by a riptide, and you have no ability to do anything. You're basically just along for the ride at that point. Uh, I believe either Shad's son. Was pu- was pulled out first by the riptide, or um, it was a possibility that um, they were both pulled at the same time. Either way, as they were, as the coast guard went out there and the lifeguards were trying to find that both of them, and uh, when his his son's name is uh, Arai, I believe Arye, I'm not sure A R Y E H. Uh, Shad Gaspar's son, and uh, the lifeguards originally found Shad as he was trying to find his son and make sure that his son was okay. And they were about to pull him on to save his life, and he implored that the lifeguards not save him right now, but go and find his son, make sure that um, make sure that he was safe because they need. He wanted him to be safe over everything else. It was one of the most selfless things I can remember ever hearing about. It's such a tragedy. Everybody who came in contact with Shad recently, uh, and it's it's weird when you are only talking about somebody posthumously, and but it, even when you hear these stories about Shad, they aren't just about 
how great of a person he is now that he's died. Everybody just says that he was just one of those guys, and they were not surprised at all by his last words being, don't don't save me, please go find my son. And unfortunately, after three or four day search with the Coast Guard on the helicopter around Venice Beach, the Venice Beach area, his body was found, but he was um, no longer amongst the living, so he, he ended up drowning in the riptide. But they were able to save his, his 10-year-old son. And I think that as bad of a story as this is and as tough of a situation as it is to talk about and hear about, I think that there's at least a, a silver lining where not both of them died. They did find his son, so Shad did not die in vain. Um, I found this article on BBC, and I'll just read some of the some of the words that were said about Shad after his passing. Rest in peace. Prayers go out to his family. Um, hopefully, they're able to continue to thrive, and I know that they know he's going to be watching over them. They called him when he was alive. They called him their his their superhero, and he would do anything for them. And he proved that in his last moment. So, um, the Rock posted on Instagram this one hurts great guy my deepest condolences and love to Shad Gaspard's wife son and family had Shad drowned in the ocean but not before instructing lifeguards to save his 10 year old son first that's the love of a father this is a tough one to process love and light to Shad's family and your warrior spirit lives on through your son and then um, Shad's wife was silent for a few days, which makes sense because it would have been a tough thing to come out and say right away. But uh, Selena Gaspard posted on Instagram a picture of Shad and their dog. And, he's, and she said, We would like to express our gratitude for the first responders who rescued Array and to the lifeguards, coast guards, divers, fire, and police departments for their continued efforts to help find our beloved Shad. Shad is a fighter, a warrior, and a magical soul. We are hoping and praying for a safe return. Obviously, this was posted before his body ended up found, washed up along the shore. Shad is a fighter, a warrior, and a magical soul. We are praying for his safe return. As a family, we thank you for your concern and well wishes. Please continue to keep sending your positivity and prayers to our beloved Shad from the entire Gaspard and Chittick family. Um... Yeah, like I said, this is not an easy story to talk about, not an easy story, I think, to read about. You can look at the silver linings all you want, but every now and then there's a story that comes along and the silver lining just isn't good enough, and I believe this is one of them. I, I just hope that... Um, I do know that they set up a GoFundMe for Shad's family now that he's not going to be able to work and provide for them, and... Another reason why I think John Cena is one of the most selfless and one of the closest things that we probably have to a modern-day angel is that he didn't. He he's there was a ghost funder in on the GoFundMe that donated forty thousand dollars to the Gaspard family, and it's starting to come out that people believe it was John Cena, but John Cena wanted to make sure that. It wasn't known that he was the one who donated the money. Him and Shad did work together. He worked, since Cena was more of a, at one point in his career, he was more of a thug type character. He got to tag team with Crime Time. So him, he worked with Shad and JTG, and I'm sure that they became really close friends. Um, it's a, it sucks. I mean, there's a 10-year-old kid now who not only 
lost his dad, but knows that his dad was fighting and, and made sure that he was going to be safe before he took the path to be able to be safe. So that's, it's, I don't know why some of this stuff happens. There's, it almost seems like this entire year there hasn't been any good things that came about going back to January with the World War Three threat and then you have, you know, the coronavirus shutting the country down for an extended period of time. New insects are coming over to the U.S. and now we have uh, just a, a man who would do anything and sacrificed everything that he could for his family and to make sure that his son was going to be okay. And and it ended up not working out. There was hope that he was going to be able to come back and they were going to be able to find him still fighting along the shore, fighting against the waves, but it just wasn't meant to be. So uh, thoughts and prayers are with Shad and his family, and I hope that his family can remain faithful and remain strong through this tough time. Uh, there's not really a blueprint for how you're supposed to react to something like this, and there's not really an example that you can go back to and say, oh, well, we can do this because we know that it's going to get better. At some points, it's probably going to feel like it's not going to get better. But I know that there's enough support because Shad was a good enough guy that he has so many friends and, and family members that are willing to help his family that they'll both be okay. It's just going to be difficult for both of them to kind of get over this. Unfortunately, we're going to stick with the theme of tragic deaths this one not as much um, but it is related to sports if you've been watching the last dance and I haven't caught up on um, the last two episodes I'm about halfway through episode 9 when they're talking about the jazz and how they matched up with those bulls um, but that coach during that era, longtime Utah Jazz head coach Jerry Sloan, is dead at 78. Sloan died on Friday morning due to complications from Parkinson's disease and Louis body dementia, according to the statement from the Utah Jazz. Um, that's a tough one to swallow, especially since there isn't any basketball. And if you are, like I said, if you're watching The Last Dance, he was just a part of the entire last couple of episodes. Looking up, looking up his stats now as a coach. Sometimes you forget how good the. I mean, the Jazz are still really pretty tough, and they're they're tough to beat. But um, you for, kind of forget how well they used to play, especially when they had Stockton and Carl Malone, and Jerry Sloan was the. Um, was the head coach of that time and got them to their first franchise's first NBA Finals. They didn't win. That was they were uh, fell victim to one of the two three peats that Michael Jordan had. Looking at his stats, twenty six seasons he had one thousand two hundred twenty one wins. If you're just gonna go based off of the regular season and not count the strike years or um, those kinds of circumstances, one thousand two hundred twenty one wins. And he had 30, 26 seasons. So 26 times 82 is 2,132. And he won 
which gives him a winning percentage of over 50%. But you got to also factor in the uh, some that's just the raw game number. It's not going taking into account the couple strikes that would have happened during his coaching career or the amount of playoff games that they that he would have been coaching in. He won 98 playoff games, six all time, and. He only had one sub-500 season with the Jazz, so they, he was making sure that they were competitive the entire time. He had great players, and um, it's unfortunate that he happened to pass this weekend. Hopefully, once sports comes back, he'll be able to get a proper memorial. Um, probably not on the same level as Kobe, just because that was such a uh, tragic thing, and Kobe was such an icon, and... Unless you're Phil Jackson, you're probably not a national icon as a head coach in the NBA. Phil Jackson wasn't an icon, I would say, until he got to the Bulls. A lot of people, including myself, didn't know that he had won two championships as a player. And then also after he got after he left the Bulls and went to the Lakers, uh, when he had Shaq and Kobe, won another five championships. So he has 11 total championships between the Bulls and the Lakers plus another two as a player with the Knicks so he has 13 championships but Jerry Sloan deserves a proper send-off uh, I'm not sure what the arena is called in Utah but I hope that they wait until there's fans that are able to go the vivid smart home arena uh, but I, I think that they should retire hang a banner for him because he was he made the Utah Jazz relevant in the world of basketball when Utah wasn't considered a huge market for the sport or just in general in, in the nation. But Jerry Sloan unfortunately passes away at 78 years old. They had a great career. I believe that should be the last of the more tragic stories of the sports weekend. I know last week or two weeks ago, um, I was talking about Walt Harris and how he had to come back and, and fight in the UFC after his stepdaughter's body had been found murdered after she was abducted for a long time. So there's, you, you got to somehow keep your head up. And the only thing that I can tell people at this point is that tough times don't last, tough people do. Uh, it's one of the things that I was taught from a very young age, and even though there's a lot of bad things going on in the world, and there's a lot of stuff that a lot of people would much rather not have to deal with, it's the fact that we have to deal with those things, and it's making sure that we can get through it ourselves and get through it with the people that we want in our lives. And that's going to be kind of the calling card of this generation. There hasn't been a lot of adversity that we've had to face. We don't have a great war. I mean, we had the terrorist attacks, but if you're my my age or younger, you don't necessarily remember the specifics of the attacks because you were too young. You just remember the aftermath of what happened. But I would say if we can get through something like that, if we can get through World War II, Vietnam, Korea, we've gone through a lot of stuff as a country. And we've gotten through it and came out better on the other side. I, I have faith that this is what's going to happen as well moving forward. It's just really tough 
And I'm not saying that it's not okay to be discouraged at some point. Just don't let that discouragement turn into a long-term thing. You should take it, take it on the chin, wear it. You know you're going to get hit hard sometimes in life, but then you get back up no matter what. Um, if you watch Rocky Five, which I know a lot of people think that's the worst of the f five original Rocky movies, he always says uh, when he gets knocked out by Tommy originally, he's lying there and he's wondering if he's going to be able to get up or not. He has that flashback to Mick when he's training for Apollo, and he, and he stops a little bit early, and Mick goes, I didn't hear no bell. You always got to get up. You always got to dust yourself off no matter what because there's not going to be anything tougher than some of these things that we're experiencing in our lives right now. Some of this is, is unprecedented to, to the point where um, there's probably some generations that we consider great generations who got through a lot that might not have been able to get through this. This is going to be a test for us, and I think this is going to make us, as I think I count in the I generation being born in 97, but that entire, the millennials to the I generation to all that's going to come after us, this is going to help us move forward as well. This is not going to be a hindrance forever. It sucks now. It feels like it's never going to end because that's just where we are. you you got to look up, and when you look up and you can't go anywhere and everything is dying around you, tragedies left and right nothing seems to be going your way yeah sometimes that's how it works i said it on thursday's podcast with my grandma you're not always going to win and you're not always entitled to win you're entitled to compete and i think that's what people need to do after this and in response to some of this stuff that's happening we need to compete we need to get back up we need to fight forward because if we do that we're going to be able to get through this and come out better on the other side i promise you that and have 110% faith that that's what's going to happen. And I have that faith because I've gone through something that I never thought that I would. And when I was going through it, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to come back from anything. I wasn't sure if this was going to be a life that I would be able to continue living on. The doctors looked at me in the hospital and they told me... Sorry about that. Alexa started to go off. She's probably going to go off again. Um... But what I was saying on the podcast last Thursday is that as, as long as we can push through, as long as we can compete, we'll be able to do this. The doctors looked at me when I was in the hospital in Grand Junction and told me that I should have been dead. I was too stubborn for my own good, too strong for my own good. And my body was going to recover from this, but it was going to suck and it was going to take a lot of time. And it did. I was very close to having to go through surgery just because there was so much that had happened to me leading up to finally getting the bleeding to stop in my stomach that the doctors were not sure whether or not I was getting better, getting worse. They were going to have to cut my belly button so that they can go in and make sure that the ulcer had been, um, you know, cauterized, casted over, whatever you want to say. It was, it was a rough stretch. And there were times afterwards where I was wondering why I was the way that I was and why I was still here. I wasn't necessarily super religious at the time. I, I had had a lot of problems with it in the past and, I wasn't having the same outlook on life at that time, but now that I've had that experience, now that I've been through something where I shouldn't have survived, I'm ready, and I, I'm ready to help the people that haven't been able to go through that yet, and I'm ready to also work with the people who have that feel the same way that I do. It's like, hey, we're in this together, whether we like it or not, whether we want to be or not. California's got to get along with Texas, Florida's got to get along with 
you know, in New York and in, in all of that kind of stuff. We've got to work together as a group, and then we've got to work together as a, as a community of human beings on this planet, and that's what's going to help us get through this. And, and that's the sports mentality that I take into a lot of things, and some people don't respond to it well, others like it, but that's my honest opinion about everything that's going on. That's, that is 100% what I believe we should do. And if you're on board with me, let's go let's put our heads down get back behind the shovel keep moving keep pushing the sled just keep driving the pile in other news around the sports world wow not the sports the sporting world the NHL last Friday voted on whether or not to move forward the NHL Players Association voted on whether or not to move forward with a 2014 24 team playoff format which would add um, six t- extra teams than normal to the playoffs let's see if I can figure out what the actual plan is I know that there would be 24 teams um, 12 from each conference instead of the usual eight from each conference voted 2014 conference-based playoff format for a potential restart to the 2019-2020 NHL season this summer. Under the plan, the top four seeds in each conference, as determined by their standings points percentage when their regular season was paused on March 12th, would receive buys through the first round of five play-in series featuring seeds 5 through 12. Those play-in series would determine which teams advance to the traditional 16-team Stanley Cup playoff bracket which would have seven game would have seven game series. The NHLPA board had what was described by a source as a long, intense conference call on Thursday night to discuss the format, and a vote was conducted over the next 24 hours. The full NHLPA board was involved in the vote, including the 24 teams that would advance to the playoffs and the seven non-playoff teams whose seasons would be over by adopting the plan. The format was created by the joint. Return to play committee that included NHL executives and a panel of players. The next step is the NHL signing off and the NHLPA is approved format. A joint announcement on the format could come in the next few days. The NHL is expected to move forward on announcing plans for the NHL draft lottery and the draft itself after this playoff format is announced. It has not been determined when and how players will be able to return to their training facilities. So that is interesting about this is that the NHL is one of those leagues that still hasn't reopened their training facilities at all. Um, the NFL in the last couple of weeks has reopened their facilities to 75 in the building um, unless somebody needed to go in and rehab. But I think that this 2014 playoff bracket would be interesting. It kind of the reason that they had to add in those extra teams is because when they paused the season there was still about a month left in the regular season and there was still a chance for some teams who were maybe on the bubble and on the outside looking in of that eighth and final spot in their conference and this will give them a chance to play in and see if they can get into the main bracket. I am very happy because um I've said before I'm a very big Avalanche fan. It's the only really Colorado professional team that I love and root for every time that I watch them. They would be in the top four that would automatically get into the playoff series, um, start in the Eastern Conference. Boston would be number one, Tampa Bay number two, Washington three, Philadelphia four. Then the play-in series would be 
Pittsburgh Penguins and the Canadians, that would be good. That's a good one because they don't really like each other. That would be a good rivalry matchup in the first round. Carolina Hurricanes and the New York Rangers, 6-11. New York Islanders and the Florida Panthers. And then the last matchup would be the Maple Leafs and the Columbus Blue Jackets. So there's some good matchups on there. Carolina and New York, not quite sure. I'm going to pull up the end of the season um, point totals for these teams just so that I can see where they were before the season was put on a hold. And if you're not familiar with the way that the NHL um, NHL decides their playoff seeds, you basically you get two points if you win outright. You get one point if you win in overtime and you don't lose a point. Or you, you also get one point if you're the team who loses in overtime. Let's see, let's see. Standings. So. I feel like the garage is opening and closing, so I'm going to go check that and I'll be right back. Sorry, going a little bit crazy. I'm the only one in the house right now. Uh, Dom, Ed, and Rox are all at work, and then my parents are out shopping. Going back to the NHL playoffs. So for the first play-in series matchup, Pittsburgh would take on Montreal. Pittsburgh ended the season 41-21 and with seven overtime losses, which gave them 89 points. And that's only one point behind the Philadelphia Flyers. or They were ended up actually with 86 points in the season. That left them three points behind the Philadelphia Flyers. So they were very close to being in automatic contention for the playoffs. Uh, Montreal... You know, they, I believe that they were 31-31, and 31 and they had 71 points on the season. I believe they were trying to figure out which goaltender they wanted to move forward with. One of them that they started the season with didn't play as well as they thought they were going to, so then they had to make a switch, and then were making a surge, but it wasn't a for-sure thing that they were going to be able to make it in. 31-31 is not a very good record at the point of the season that they were at. That's going to be difficult for them, I think, to upset the pit, the Penguins. The only thing that they have going for them is that that's a big rivalry over in the Eastern Conference. The next matchup, Carolina and New York. Carolina was one of the top seeds last season, and they got knocked out in the first round by the Washington Capitals. Um, Kucherov learned the hard way that you don't poke the Russian bear and Alexander Ovechkin put him on the ice and put him out pretty quickly. If you remember from last year's opening round of the playoffs, Carolina finished the season 38-25, and had five overtime losses, and had 81 points. The Rangers were 37-28, and also had five overtime losses. They ended up with 79 points. The Rangers are one of those interesting teams because New York is a big hockey market, but the Rangers have not been anywhere near as successful as the Islanders. The Islanders have won, I think, I believe five or six Stanley Cups. The Rangers have won two, and the last one was in 1994 when they had Mark Messier and uh, Brian Leach. So they are not in the same position as that, as they were. This is an interesting one. If you go based off of the rules kind of set by March Madness, uh, the 12 often has the chance to upset the 5. The 11 and 6 is also a, a little bit of a toss-up. So there's a chance. I, I can see that series going. I wonder... 
how many games would be in the play-in series. I'm going to see if I can find that. How many games would be in the play-in series for the proposed NHL playoff format? Ah, okay, it would be a best of five series. I could see the series between New York and Carolina going all all the way. I think I think they win. Each one wins the two games that they would have at home, and then the toss-up would be that last game that would be played in Carolina if New York can overcome uh, the Hurricanes on their home ice. Next up, New York Islanders, Florida Panthers, seeing where they ended the season. The Islanders, 35-23, and 23, 10 overtime losses. They had 80 points. And the Maple Leafs, after their struggles for the past however many years it's been since they have won a cup, they're actually close to, they would have been in the original playoff format. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They would have been the seventh seed in the original playoff format. 36-25, nine overtime losses, 81 points. Not a stellar line, but the team that they're going up against, the Islanders, 80 points. That's also a series that I can see going five. These playing series are going to be probably the most competitive ones. I've said it before on this podcast. Hockey is the greatest professional playoff atmosphere to where you never know who is going to win. Home home ice does not affect the NHL playoffs like home field advantage or home court advantage affect the NFL and NBA playoffs. Anybody, It's anybody's matchup any night, and whoever gets hot, whoever has the hot goaltender, has the better chance to win. So the the all the teams that are playing in the playing games, just because they wouldn't have made the playoffs originally, don't count out teams like Florida who have – their franchise has been to Stanley Cup Finals. The Islanders, who have won plenty of Stanley Cups. Uh, the Maple Leafs, who have that rich Canadian history, but have also been involved in that Canadian drought of winning the Stanley Cup. There's plenty of opportunity for upsets to happen, and who, who knows? I mean, last year, in last year's playoffs, both the Eastern and Western Conference one seeds were knocked out in the first round. The Avalanche knocked out Calgary. And uh, Tampa Bay got knocked out by, I believe, Columbus. Over on the Western Conference side, St. Louis, Colorado, Las Vegas, and Dallas will be the top four seeds. Only a little bit upsetting because Colorado was on a huge hot streak. If there's a year for Colorado to win it since they won their last Stanley Cup back in 2000 and 2001, it would be this year. McKinnon, Landeskog, Rantanen, Kale McCarr. Uh, Francis in goal. They also have Grubauer. So they have lots of options. And they were on a huge historic franchise long winning streak. Uh, I think 14 or 15 games. Maybe it was a point streak. But then St. Louis, who came out of nowhere last year as the 8th seed, uh, that was the team who also knocked out uh, a number 1 seed was St. Louis. But they came in as the low seed in the NHL playoffs, ended up winning the Stanley Cup for the first time in their franchise's history and now this year they came back and they were on a tear going through the end of the season. St. Louis finished with 94 points. 
and they were 42 and 19. So they hadn't even uh, they had 10 overtime losses, but they hadn't outright lost 20 games. So that was very impressive. Very impressive performance by them this past season. And they were able to keep pace with the Avalanche. When the Avs got hot, the Blues got hot too. So they, they were making it very difficult for a young Colorado Avalanche team to stack up to some of the veterans that they have. A couple of them were once Avalanche. Um, and then Vegas finished 39-24, and 24, eight overtime losses with 86 points. Um, I don't know why Edmonton wouldn't have been one of the top four. Must, it must go down to head-to-head matchups because if you just look at the final standings, Edmonton was 37-25. They had nine overtime losses with 83 points. It must have come down to overtime losses. Because uh, Dallas was 37-24 and had eight overtime losses and finished with 82 points. But I think it was that they had one less outright loss and one less overtime loss, and that put Dallas up to four. So then the matchups for the play-in series on the Western Conference. Um, Edmonton at number five would play Chicago at number 12. Chicago back into the playoffs since their last Stanley Cup run. Ended the season with 72 points, two games above 500, but... I've said it many times in the last five minutes, however long we've been talking about the NHL's plan to come back. Um, they would have the ability to come out as a, a lower seed and possibly push one of those top teams. Uh, next matchup, Nashville versus Arizona. Arizona's been kind of surprising in the last couple seasons. Nashville, uh, after they lost in the Stanley Cup Finals, to, I believe, the Pittsburgh Penguins in 2017. They haven't been able to find that same lightning in a bottle that they had. They still have Philip Forsberg, who is proving why the Swedes are probably the second best country behind Canada at hockey. Maybe maybe tied for second with Russia. But um, Arizona would have a good chance, I believe, in that five-game series. And then Vancouver and Minnesota also going to play... Vancouver at the 7th seed, I believe that's one of their best playoff seeds since they made it to the Stanley Cup Final against, uh, I believe, Detroit? I'm not sure. It's always a safe guess to assume that they played Detroit. Oh, 94. So it was the uh, New York Rangers. That was the last team that Vancouver has lost to in... Or that was one of the last teams that Vancouver has lost to in the playoffs in the Stanley Cup Finals. I hope Vancouver wins. Because if the Avalanche don't win the Cup, I'd rather see a Canadian team finally break the drought. And I hate Minnesota. Minnesota, Chicago, and... And Detroit are my three least favorite teams. Boston is up there. Pittsburgh is 
not on my list, but they're moving towards being on my list. So hopefully Vancouver can push themselves into the actual playoff bracket and then two Canadian teams rounding out that side of the com- that, that side of the league. Calgary and Winnipeg, eight and nine toss up game. Um let's see, Winnipeg finished with eighty points, Calgary finished with seventy nine. That would that's gonna be a very even series. The only difference that I can see right now is the differential. Uh, Winnipeg's plus 13, Calgary's minus 5. So Calgary wins. When they win, they win big, but when they lose, they lose hard. So um, not very consistent when you have to be consistent to win at least three games in the first series and then four in all the other ones. You, you'd rather have the, the team that's going to be showing up every time and, and making sure that everything happens. So... That's kind of the outlook on the sporting landscape so far. I know today was uh, Phil Mickelson and Phil Mickelson and Peyton Manning were playing Tom Brady and Michael Jordan in a little friendly pro-am golf game. Imagine how friendly that's going to be with Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, and Tiger Woods. Not Tiger Woods, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, and Michael Jordan. Sorry, trying to get my order together for tonight as well. Uh, Michael Jordan, Tom Brady versus Phil Mickelson and Peyton Manning. That's not going to be a lot of fun, I, I would say. Not going to be all smiles. It's not your typical pro-am. Michael Jordan and Tom Brady, probably the two most competitive athletes of all time. And then you got Peyton Manning on the other side who doesn't like to lose either. Phil Mickelson was a very good player when he played golf. Probably has the most skill out of any of them, I would say, but then who knows how much golf MJ's been playing in retirement. Um, I'm going to finish up the last dance coming up this week. Get that under my belt. I've enjoyed it so far. My problem with it, though, is that it's starting to give people reason to nitpick and try and push LeBron over MJ or MJ over LeBron. Um, I just think it's stupid. I don't appreciate the GOAT debates because I don't think that they're going to be a singular greatest of all time because not everybody could play in every different era. I think there's greatest of generations and I think Jordan was probably the greatest of that 80s to 90s generation even though there was Carl Malone, even though John Stockton and um, I'm only saying the Utah Jazz players because that's the last couple games that they played against. Reggie Miller um, and then Charles Barkley obviously there's a lot of really good guys in that era that never won a championship because of Jordan. So that's the only case that I can make as to why I would put Jordan as my greatest of all time is because he had stopped so many other other Hall of Famers from actually winning a championship. Um, and who who has thought that a team can go six championships in nine years? Back-to-back, back, every time you win a championship, you win it in three? That's just insane. And they haven't gotten close since, so... They were doing something right then, and Jerry Krause blew it up, and I'm probably going to watch a video. I keep seeing a video on YouTube pop up explaining why Jerry Krause was the downfall of the Chicago Bulls, even though he created the greatest dynasty in sports history, probably. You can kind of debate that now with the Patriots and everything. He's also the one who tore it down, and he did it because he was jealous of all the attention everybody else was getting. He could have had 
probably eight, nine championships if he would have just left well enough alone. But it's not how those guys get in that position, I suppose. Um, we'll have a, another regular podcast on Thursday. Like I said, thank you guys for listening to the to last weekend. I know that it's been a crazy time and not everybody's been able to listen, but you guys seem to enjoy listening to Dom and I talk about the NFL and seem to enjoy listening to Grandma Fiore, Jackie, telling Dom and I stories about uh, her life growing up and having a nice conversation about the coronavirus. One of the more civil conversations that I can remember hearing or having over this whole quarantine virus epidemic period. But, like I said, I think I'm going to put this one to bed early just so that I can make sure I get all my stuff ready for tonight. Um, hopefully there's at some point there's sports to talk about again maybe I'll start breaking down the ultimate tag game and I know the Warrior or the Challenger games are coming back the show that The Rock hosted on Fox as well so there's going to be some competition on TV it's just not going to be the sports that we all want uh, I believe that football will be happening I think at some point the fans will be able to go back and watch too I don't think that this is going to shut down football season college or NFL But until we get to that point, we don't really have too much to talk about on these sports episodes other than, you know, tragedies and debates on greatest of all times and possible playoff formats that haven't even been approved yet. But anyways, I appreciate you guys tuning in to Center of Attention. Please follow the show's Twitter at COAPod73. Follow my Twitter at Jimmy Pilato. My Instagram at Proud underscore WAP. and then also follow me on TikTok at Jimmy Pilato. I'll be posting videos a little bit more frequently there. You want to see Dom and I make a fool of ourselves, be sure to follow both of us. He's Dom Pilato 63 on TikTok. Um, and if you listen to Apple Podcasts, I say this a lot and it seems tedious and it seems like I'm begging you to interact with the show. But if you would please, please, please um, rate and subscribe if you listen on Apple Podcasts, rate the show five stars. And then leave a review also. That is how we get the word out about the podcast best. I can put it out on my social media as much as I want. But until it gets to the trending pages on the um, iTunes algorithm, there's not going to be as many people listening. And I'd love to grow this show to the point where maybe I can start turning it into more of a career. At this point, it's just a hobby. I love doing it and I think that we put out quality content, but it's still just a hobby. I'd like to take that next step possibly and see where we're going to be able to go from here. But this has been Center of Attention, episode 32. Remember, tough times don't last, but tough people do. We'll see you guys on Thursday.